Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's is me, Ross the Boss Casey, and for episode 52, we've got one of our one-on-one specials. And this week, we are going to be learning all about the wrestling fandom of Brum. So, Brum, welcome to the podcast. You've already told me offline that your story isn't very interesting, so I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be blockbuster. Um, <laughs> quite the opposite. Let's kind of try and learn more about you. And I think actually this is going to be great for even me, someone that only got to know you over the last few years and speak primarily just about wrestling and not about real life things. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to know the life of Brum as a wrestling fan. So let's start off at the very start. What's your first memory of wrestling? WrestleMania 6. And it's quite a big memory. So funnily enough, two things. One, I was born a few days after WrestleMania 1. So I find it helpful to both remember how old I am using WrestleMania. So <laughs> Amazing. Remembering what, what year Mania is. But funnily enough, obviously, because Mania started at 1 and I started at 0, I've got to deduct 1 to do yeah. the math. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's roughly within a few days, pretty much bang on. But I don't know if you remember, but I wrote a silly article when we're doing some of our year end things for the blog when it when it was alive. Yeah. About a a fake story about me being a family friend of uh, Uncle Ray Trailer, the big boss man. That was that was actually couched in some reality, not the big boss man link. But my um my dad, because he's a an alpha male, used to after work like go over to his mate Steve's house and work out in the garage. And um, Steve, who's a bit younger than my dad, had um, Sky and all those things super early, and. I say Sky, God knows even, I assume it was off Sky, but he got it off somewhere. Anyway, he got hold of WrestleMania 6 and The Simpsons. So it's like, okay, yeah, he, used to, he basically used to give me wrestling and Simpsons videos. And yeah, the, and the first one was, yeah, WrestleMania 6. And I just remember, which is weird now as I get a lot of stick from the guys being a bit of like a, a work rate dickhead, but I was just obsessed with Ultimate Warrior. I just thought it was the most amazing, coolest thing ever. Yeah, that's that's really what kicked it off, and after then, kind of became a bit obsessed. You know the, you know the blue and red like WWF trading cards. Yes, yeah, yeah. All, all of them, they're probably in like my dad's garage somewhere. <laughs> probably the covered in damp or worth a lot of money. One of the two. I might have to tell him to dig it out one of these days, and then. Yeah, and obviously like the standard with everyone else, like wrestling figures and, and all that s- stuff. But I was, yeah, just, I remember that period pretty much, I'd say WrestleMania 6 up to WrestleMania 9 was like phase one of my wrestling fandom. Okay, so basically as soon as the Ultimate Warrior left, you were onto phase two. <laughs> so that's quite interesting. So Warrior was like it kicking off, but after then, I think that initial bit, I wasn't like one of these, which is, I think, probably quite strange for a younger wrestling fan. I wasn't overtly attached to one wrestler that I can remember. I should probably caveat all of this saying that my memory is absolutely terrible. So uh, <laughs> just suddenly saying what I thought about as a 
seven-year-old is probably inaccurate, but that's what memory is, isn't it? It's memories of memories of memories of memories. But Exactly. Um, so you get hold of this tape of WrestleMania six, and you're absolutely enthralled with the Ultimate Warrior like most children were with the music and the bright colours and the fast pace of him. And actually, looking back at it, it was probably his best work rate match as well. WrestleMania 6, even though at five years old, you probably aren't really recognising that. Is that basically the main memory of WrestleMania 6, of your first ever wrestling experience that you remember? Yeah, so it's it, that is actually a show that I have watched back since, but I think I'd be lying if I had actually had anything close to a real memory of that apart from apart from the main event and just being captain like it's like a, it's actually rather than a memory of what happened it's a memory of captivation yeah. i don't think that's something that i've it's maybe something i've chased for the past 30 years 30 odd years but i don't think it's ever something that i've that i've probably achieved at least outside wrestling you know and i'm quite lucky i'm a happy person but i think that because it's also with wrestling, especially of that era, it's just so otherworldly as well. And the yeah. idea of this Hogan and Warrior battle is just something that was because as well with that tape, it's not like I just watched it once. I just watched it constantly for for years as well, and just something that is just so otherworldly, but so captivating and just and as and probably as in a lot of fandoms, I know definitely mine was a theme for for the majority of it, was just taking you away to a completely different place. And I think rather than the event or Warrior or Hogan or anything in particular, it was it was just that overall experience of this is just something so different and it transports you, really. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you said that, yeah, uh, that your kind of first stage of wrestling is uh, up to WrestleMania 9. So at WrestleMania 9, does that make you eight years old? Yeah. So yeah. you're... So what year are we talking then? Is it kind of 90? That'd be 93, I think. Would it? 93, 92? okay. So, so basically your first stage, you kind of wrap up when the UK wrestling scene where it was like the biggest thing where SummerSlam 92 happened and it's the front page of the sun and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'm assuming that up in Yorkshire, just like it was in Somerset and in Australia for Dom, like wrestling was a big thing with your friends at the time? Yeah, it's strange. And then this is probably where my memories betray me. I, yeah, I do remember friends like playing with wrestling figures and stuff like that. I don't know if I necessarily remember it being part of the the zeitgeist, if you can have that at eight, nine years old. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was if it was that much, but it's definitely like, yeah, people come, people had like the wrestling rings and the wrestling figures and the toys and they had that side of it. I don't know actually how much at that age that transported to people actually watching it rather than people being culturally engaged with it. Like, again, I don't remember, interestingly, SummerSlam 92 being as big of a thing. Okay. But not, maybe it was. It was only, like, after, after the fact that I'd, like, like, I was put two together, like, oh, that was a big deal, it being in the UK. Right, um, right, yeah. At the time. So, yeah, maybe maybe we didn't. Maybe it was, yeah, north of the wall, it was a little bit different. So you kind of got brought into the wrestling world by Uncle Ray, let's call him. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone um, else later in your fandom in towards phase two, towards the kind of uh, 94, 95 era? Did, did anyone take you in or out of the scene? Yeah, well, so, so it's quite interesting. Like my, my wrestling fandom, when I, when I look at it, has been up until relatively recently quite a solitary one. 
So there has been people throughout it where there has been maybe one person at a time, usually dragged by hook or by crook from me to say, like, you're you're a good mate of mine or you're one of my best mates, watch this. Um, Some being more accommodating than others. But I think that's, yeah, I think that has been one thing for me. And one thing that was maybe a, a little bit stranger in recent years when I've kind of had more wrestling friends because it has been a real solitary thing for me and I think maybe we'll get into it more but I think as I got older and I, and I saw wrestling as a silly or not cool or whatever and actually would I wouldn't say aggressively keep it under wraps they weren't like kind of hidden in porn mags or anything like that but yeah, yeah. I, it was but it was more of a I didn't go out of the way or even I wouldn't mention to anyone I was really a wrestling fan yeah, so obviously when we when we spoke with Shaf on on his one, he spoke about how wrestling was like a big part of his getting out of where he was in his life, and he was watching it singularly for that reason. Like, did that resonate with you? Like, obviously not to like that extent, but like, did that resonate with you as someone who would watch it by themselves rather than in groups? Yeah, yeah, hugely, and 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 I think as I as I did get older, like we can we can kind of I guess go go back to chronology later. But I think as I got older, if anything, it was maybe there was a subconscious reason for that that it was I treated it so much like a comfort blanket. And I think of like I've probably had two kinds of wrestling that I watched. There's a wrestling that I watched because I loved it. You know, there was amazing things that I was watching in wrestling, and that's happened throughout my wrestling fandom. But most of the hours of wrestling that I've watched, I've watched because it's it was just there and it was a comfort blanket and it was something I did. And at the end of a tough day, I would go on and, you know, on my, like, in bed, maybe on, on my laptop or whatever, have, like, a torrent of the previous Raw or SmackDown or whatever without actually getting anything particular much enjoyment out of most of the show, but just it being a, a thing I did, like smoking probably for some yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. gave them that relief they didn't they, they probably won't describe it unless it's like post-sex or something as, as actually physically enjoying that cigarette it's but it was just something they did and that's that was probably for a long time what the majority of the wrestling i watched was for me really um, it's like that classic um what's the name of the guy who did beyond the map blaunstein blaunstein where he says like i don't know why i like it i just do but it's actually but at the same time throughout all of that i think throughout the i'd say apart from maybe 2001 or 2002 to to maybe 2006 ish 2005 2006 there was probably a period then where i wasn't really enjoying a lot of it and i was just watching it but then after before then but definitely after then i've always had wrestling in my life that i've loved it's just maybe that's not been the most <laughs> the thing that i've been mainly watching i'd like every couple of weeks or whatever they'd you know i'd get hold of a like an roh dvd or something like that i'd be like this is brilliant yeah, yeah. but still without fail watch raw and smackdown and that was still like a and it's not like it was all bad it's that, that's not me being negative but you know, there may be a couple of things in a show that I'd enjoy, but generally speaking, the majority of wrestling I've watched, its role for me was never that of, I absolutely adore everything I'm watching. It was about, this is something that subconsciously makes me feel safe and makes me feel comfortable and is a respite to anything else going on. And again, it's, that's not any large trauma or anything, just the natural things of life. Oh, I've had yeah. a shit day. Of oh, burnt my dinner, <laughs> you know what I mean? like that kind of stuff. It was always there, and I think that does trace back to those early years when it was something incredibly warm, like like WrestleMania Nine, which I say was at the end of the 
the first piece that is a it's only when I realised when I'm older, like that that was seen as a pretty shit show. At the time, I thought that was like, or even even years after it, I thought, oh, that's obviously seen as one of the best WrestleManias <laughs> because <laughs> it's just really sunny and bright, and there's like yeah. giant Gonzalez and the Undertaker and like Sean Tatanka and the crazy world title mucking abouts and stuff like that, and everyone in togas. It was just something that I thought was absolutely incredible and just so warming. And that was again, that was something that I had on an, an official. VHS and I, I watched the shit out of that and yeah but for whatever reason I don't know just after that I kind of moved away from wrestling really until until the late 90s. Okay so that's about a five six seven year uh, gap yeah. of not being part of the scene at all was that a conscious thing or was it just something that you had no like you no longer had access to it or did something happen? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was probably, like, I, di- I did watch Bits and Bobs. Like, I remember the um, the Iron Man match. I remember, I think, again, Uncle Ray giving me that and being like, wow, what's this? That's absolutely amazing. But then never really going for more than that. And then after that, I would be going. So that would have been WrestleMania 12. Is that right? Around then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Man match for WrestleMania 12. So I'd have then gone to high school. And that would have been very much like, you know, wrestling's for slurs i probably won't repeat them because i grew up in the north in the mid in the 90s but like <laughs> it was yeah like it's just not something you admit to or you probably get beaten up is that something that that like, like that is genuinely part of the culture there is it like that you have to be kind of you know like a rugby league fan and not a rugby union fan all that sort of stuff yeah yeah the, yeah there's yeah i mean definitely like <laughs> i joke about like when i dated a girl from uh when i was a bit maybe when I was 18, 19, who went, uh, who went to a, what we call a posh school, but like a private school. And her dad watched Rugby Union. I just found it so alien. Like what, it, like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is for like soft shandy drinking Southerners. You shouldn't be doing this. Like generally, and like probably being quite angry about it, which is insane. But yeah, there was loads of cultural taboos and some large and horrific and some trivial, like watching wrestling. Just wouldn't, wouldn't really admit to doing it. So obviously, um, from what you're saying, you didn't really have a group of friends who you enjoyed it with. So was it just a case of you would make friends with people and rather than when previously, when you were a bit younger and and these things didn't matter, you would show them your VHS tapes. Whereas now, when you're in secondary school and you know that it's a bit of a taboo, you were just not confident enough to show them? Yeah, well, I think think actually, you know, and I had a, especially as we went through high school, you know, and I still mates with all of them like our, our, our kind of core group of mates were that wasn't as much of an issue so like they knew and especially as we got older and older throughout high school they they knew i was a wrestling fan and they'd make fun of me about it but in like a in a nice way yeah um and i had like um, one of them my mate dink was like he for parts of the time would go on with it like go along with it uh, with me mainly just because it was like if he was around my house i'd have it on and then he slowly got a bit into it. But again, a fandom that was nowhere near mine. That we did decide at one point, I think we must have been 15, 16, that we wanted to be wrestlers. But rather than go to a wrestling school, we just went to like the corn exchange in Leeds and bought like sort of pseudo wrestling outfits. Amazing. Um, okay. And then that was it. Tell me more. And we did. And we did. <laughs> well, well, actually, I say that, but um, then probably then the attitude era happens and 
it starts to get a bit more acceptable, but not a lot more. I jump back in. So despite from my early wrestling days, just Shawn Michaels being my favorite wrestler, I missed like the first his version of the of DX, and I kind of came into it as Triple H was starting to really catch some steam. So like fully loaded ninety eight, yeah, which was the one with him and Rock, and then which again at the time seeing and just being like, oh my god, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It's probably like looking back at it now, three star match kind of thing, and then the SummerSlam after it, which was him and Rock in the ladder match, which was genuinely good, and that had been like. Stone Cold Taker main event in that no DQ. That I'm ninety percent sure that's Lions Den match as well. Shamrock Owen. So, like, just just seeing that, then thinking, oh, this is brilliant, but still not at the level until that. My mates were all right with it until probably about a year after that, and then again more from Jackass and stuff. But would, would that timeline work more from Jackass? I think, or what would have predated that? Um, uh, that there's like thing. there's like CKY videos, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and all that stuff. Then, yeah, off the back of that, then just kind of doing a bit of, like, backyard wrestling. And and again, again when I say backyard wrestling, I don't mean, like, on, like, trampolines and stuff, like, on grass. <laughs> like, just yeah. mad shit. Yeah, but it was, yeah. I mean, you probably can't call it backyard for what real backyard it goes, but it was it's, just... It's yeah, a little bit getting... of a shame um, that you weren't in the same North Yorkshire town as uh, David Wheater. Yeah, yeah, no, to be fair, I don't know if I if I want to go one on one with Wheater. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be be piled drived by an athlete. I think I'm fine. I we was, can't uh, um, let you uh, move on to the next section without going more into this uh, pseudo wrestling outfit. Please explain. Oh, yeah, it was it was so. I, I mean, I don't even know what material it was. It kind of a lycra. We had two. His was cooler. His was like Bam Bam Bigelow style flames. But I say cooler. It was a bit more like a. Like it, almost like a seventies. It like like what it was basically what Disco Inferno would wear, right? Okay. But with flames, I had one, but that was like blue and sparkly. I think we got some lucha masks as well, with the intention that we were going to apply to a wrestling school, but we just never did because we were just teenagers and it was a whim. Like God all the gear and no idea. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think then that's when I was like working, like because I was still at the school, but I managed to get a gig in, like in the summer where I was working tax-free in an office and was, okay. was basically the richest I've ever been in my life. So had whims to go and buy wrestling gear and not actually go to wrestling school. If but, you've um, got those blue wrestling cards up in the loft somewhere, I'm really hoping that you've got that outfit as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, God knows. I, I actually know what happened with those. My cousin was in a band and he just thought, and they were like 80s style and he went, they're absolutely amazing. So him and the we just basically gifted them to him and his guitarist so they could wear them on stage. But God knows if he's still got them. I'll have to, I'll have to tap them <laughs> up. Quick question about um, the Attitude Era, actually, Brum. Mm. In that um, you were saying how you kind of always had wrestling as your thing and a little bit with your family ties as well, but never really with a group of friends. How was it in your like psychology in your head of suddenly the world accepting it and friends who previously poo-pooed wrestling now liking it and wanting you to be part of it was there any part of you that was a bit like i don't want to share this love that i have with it with this wider world well i think my experience was different to the to your guys it, it was a bit more acceptable and i could realize that it was more popular but it didn't feel again it didn't feel as like zeitgeisty to me as you guys found it or as like everyone was doing it like everyone in my school was still like you know just playing football and trying to finger people and 
And that was <laughs> it. <laughs> like, I mean, there wasn't, and just being dicks to each other and like fighting, like, not, not in like a bad way. I didn't go to like, you know, like the Bronx or anything like that. But yeah, it was just, just typical Northern school, really. So there was a bit of it. Like when people learned about what a 3D was, there'd be a lot of people trying to 3D people. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't. They probably didn't know who the fuck Devon was. You know what I mean? They just heard <laughs> a thing called the 3D, and like it was an act of violence. So they they yeah, did yeah. it, but it, it was never. Even in those days, that I don't, I don't really remember talking to people about wrestling. Let's like, say apart from like the odd mates that I'd maybe roped into watching a bit with me um, yeah. at all throughout all of high school and all of college. And it was probably only really until second third year of uni i met someone who was into it and i met one person where did you go to uni uh durham okay so even more even more north (laughs) once you're at university you've reached kind of we're out of the attitude era and we're in towards kind of the wsw buyout and what have you from well, I, I worked actually for three years before going to uni. Okay, right. Okay. I, I didn't get uni until like 2006. And actually, that's when my fandom started to change. So, yeah, because we've, only, because we've only really covered WWE here. And I'm sure that our listeners are perfectly well aware from listening to the podcast that you're not WWE's biggest fan anymore. Uh, so, what was the first kind of flicker of new wrestling for you? I actually think, I don't know how the timings work out, but I think even before coming back to WWE, I think WWF as it was at the time in like 98, I think by then I'd started seeing ECW on Bravo yeah. and just absolutely adoring Raven. Because I think interestingly, if I remember rightly, and I, I'm probably not, even though I was maybe watching it in early 98 and Raven had left for WCW by 97, I think with the old hardcore TVs, they used to show a lot of the old stuff yeah, third. it definitely yeah. wasn't in correlation with the timeline, yeah. I think. Yeah, so so discovering that, and that, that could be wrong. But then, and then off the back of that, you know, WCW on Channel 5, like a little bit later, and seeing people like Chris Jericho and, and later on, like Lash LaRue, who I've mentioned before that I was absolutely <laughs> obsessed with when I was yeah. youngest. I was, at that point, like ECW, WCW, WWF, I was wholly aware of, but nothing else. I can see and why yeah. you were taken with Raven as you're kind of known as a wordsmith in the group. So I can totally see that. <laughs> but I wasn't back then. I was thick as pig shit. And like, so <laughs> I just thought it was really cool in a leather jacket. Like, yeah. And oh, it's, it was just amazing. Like, again, just be so cool. And again, like, if people probably see my wrestling fandom now that I wasn't like the kind of geek then. I mean, I, I still watched as much and loved it as much, if not more. But it was, I didn't watch it for the, cool matches or anything like that it was just for the moments and the wowzers and the characters and not that i don't love that now still but that's something that i, that I wanted to ask actually because obviously potentially if it isn't for the ultimate warrior you're not even a pro wrestling fan and you live your life without the whims of having to worry about booking <laughs> calls and all this sort of stuff that wrestling fans get themselves mired down about and you're saying there about the fact that match ratings and that sort of thing wasn't really a thing for you in like pre-millennium. So what was the turning point for you as a fan in that sort of sense? Well, so, so actually what's quite interesting, I even think when I look back on probably in the in the mid-noughties, and I'm an adult then, I'm like, you know, let's say I'm 19, 20, even at that point, I still think like the best, what really good wrestling is, is 
crazy moves and really fast, quick wrestling. Because I'd not been around wrestling fans, because I'd not been around like any it really internet wrestling communities, because it was just in a bubble, me watching wrestling. I remember loving people like I remember loving wrestlers that didn't fall into what I thought was good wrestling, but not realizing why, not realizing what they were really good at. Right. So I just thought it was especially when I started watching early TNA and ROH and and stuff like that. It was me thinking that just, yeah, flippy, crazy moves, crazy spots is the best kind of wrestling. And I wasn't, you know, like I said, that's not as a kid, that's as a, as a young adult. And it was only really off the back of that from watching TNA and uh, early TNA and ROH and just being obsessed with AJ Styles, thinking AJ Styles is right, okay. the best wrestler to ever live. I'm not saying he is, like, I'm not knocking him now, but, and I didn't think about anything about them, like work rate. I just thought about all these fucking crazy moves and, how quick he was and how agile he was. I was just so blown away. And then I actually went to meet him in like a, a wrestling video shop in Manchester. Like that cannot still exist. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and this is, God, this is 17 years ago, probably. 16 years ago, I guess, around that time, 05, 06. And then them, those guys just having like all these just dodgy, like white label, ROH, God would have been PWG, probably even back then, CZW and like TNA DVDs and Japanese stuff and just going mad and just buying absolutely shitload of (laughs) shitload of it and then getting stuff later. And then it was that when I started to twig and probably actually if there was anyone that turned me into the wrestling fan I am now, it's watching Nigel McGuinness's run as champion in ROH and just realising then that, yeah, he does do cool moves, but... I don't like it. I like him in a different way to how I like AJ Styles. It's almost like when you're younger and you just, you always want to be with the prettiest girl in class. And then you actually meet someone who isn't necessarily the prettiest in cl- girl in class, but you feel more for them and more about them than these other girls. And you think, oh, it's, a, it's just a friend I really like. And then you start really understanding what love is. And I think that's what, Nigel McGuinness was for me and it's also it's not just about that changed how I looked at the things now and forward but then how I went and looked back and went oh actually that's why I loved Raven you know that's why I loved X, Y and Z even though they weren't the quickest and the flippiest and whatever they were just amazing wrestlers and that was a real just like a switch just changed in my head and I am I wouldn't say that I've been like a work rate monster since then but I definitely started to view wrestling through a different prism and that was probably what, was that like 2000? I should know. That's probably about when I was about 22, 23. Okay. Um, which is probably people listening to this who are younger and probably think I'm an idiot and know, know way more about stuff then. But I just didn't really engage in the internet wrestling community or whatever. I only use the internet for torrents. So I use like, was it pro wrestling torrents and extreme wrestling torrents and those ones. And I used to, like, when I stopped getting all these. <laughs> spending all my money on these DVDs for this shop in Manchester. That's probably why they closed, actually, because I <laughs> discovered the internet. And then, yeah, just at uni, yeah, just basically torrent sites and getting everything I could get my hands on. That's when I started, like, Love Affair with All Japan started as well around that time, realising that there's a whole world out there and there's, like, Lucha and stuff. And I would just watch so much. I, like, 
I mean, uni mainly, like all of us, I was just going out and getting just smashed all the time. But I think in like the second term of second year, I didn't go to one lecture and I can't just have been going out and getting smashed. I think most of it was me just just finding all this fucking random wrestling content from the past and the and all over the world and everything. And yeah. Wow. And did you pass that year? Yeah, I mean, I did sociology, mate. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fail that. You just can't. <laughs> The next question was about kind of the IWC. Do you think that like your foray into becoming a member of IWC changed the way that you felt about wrestling as well? Like, especially because you didn't have friends that watched the product. Were you then able to kind of read up on wrestling culture and, and also read up people's thoughts on wrestling and that kind of molded yeah. your views as well? Yeah, so, but again, that was probably relatively late. Around that, maybe, maybe towards the end of that, it's like read things like PW Torch, you know, like the Wade Keller site and a bit of the mags, I guess. Uh, what's uh, oh crap, what's the classic British wrestling mag? I'm going to be going mad. Power Slam, Power Slam, yeah, of course, Power Slam. So, and then there was also, like did you ever read Wow? <laughs> I don't, I, I remember seeing Wow, but I was Wow more like a bit like an actor mag, was it like a bit kayfabe or was it like, um. I don't know, actually. I don't know if I, it was I don't think not. I ever read it. I think I just assumed that. But yeah, I, I remember like like in Power Slam and, and reading that. But but again, not really religiously. But then funnily enough, with PW Talk, skipping ahead slightly, when it got to around, when I started reading it a bit more regularly, like in 2011, I started just watching uh, when FCW pretty much launched its regular TV show. I think that was about 2011. That's when I just was realised that no one was covering it. And I said to PDB Torch, you want me to do it? I think I'd done a couple of just random articles for them about FCW. And then I started just for a while doing their the weekly FCW TV coverage. So I was then probably writing as much in the internet wrestling community as I was consuming it. So right, okay. I wasn't really engaging it yet. How did you um, even like get into that is there just an email because weirdly so. for my weirdly for my wrestling fandom my wrestling fandom purely came from vhs slash dvd tapes sky tv pay-per-views and power slam mag and wow i wasn't even aware that there were torrents and things like that i wasn't aware that person torch was a thing until like 2015 i just wasn't in that world whereas you seem to be very much part of that world were you just like, here's a gap in the market where you kind of just like hustle face on yeah, a little bit? I, I don't think it was anything like, I even remember then just like, well, there'd be just like wrestlers emails about and stuff. I like, I remember just emailing Claudio Castagnoli once because he did a move and I thought it was, this sounds like a bullshit story, but I'm <laughs> 98% sure it's happened and I've not dreamt it. So I just want to caveat it that I'm, this sounds like a story that someone's made up, but I'm not yet sure it's, it's, it's real. Yeah. Claudio, because uh, he used to do, you know, the pop-up uppercut he does. Yeah. And he called it, he called it Swiss death. He had a stupid name for it. And I emailed him and I said, hi, Claudio, I really love you. However, you should really call this move the very European uppercut. And then he did. So No way. Um, yeah. That sounds no made up, doesn't it? But <laughs> that's like, like that's basically what Twitter has become. 
like you just did it through finding his email yeah. somehow yeah it was just on someone else it decided to email it and then it was just so much easier to contact wrestlers then but yeah i just i wasn't like overly like rapidly engaged in that community i just like again through the torrents i just came from i think i just what i don't know whatever it was death before disorder five or whatever whatever what i was looking up i just googled that and watched and then found like torrent sites so, okay great i'll register for that and then just found the pandora's box of wrestling content as someone who didn't know what they were then and don't really understand what they are now how long a process is it to download a, a ring of honor pay-per-view oh then it probably would have taken a while like when when speeds got good like because again you weren't going on like a normal torrent site which was it was this was one which was like ring fenced so right yeah pretty quick but i mean back in the days of like old shit internet an hour maybe and these torrents were like was it a bit of a treasure trove like was oh, it yeah. it was it was ring of honor it was all japan it was, it was, every, XBW. It, was everything. it was everything and it was also really easy to like search so i'd just there'd be like a wrestler that i'd hear about somewhere and I'd just be like, oh, type him in. And then, all right, here's a, an indie show or something that he did before. And then just download it. And nice. then what, what they did, people like compiled the list. So I um, I watched, it'll be out of date now, but at one point, I think I'd seen every single Meltzer five-star rated match that you could get hold of because people just did, they put them together. So some guys just went, here you go. It's like a group torrent of like 80 different, files and you just pick the ones that you wanted and it's like all right i'll just i'll just download those so yeah at one wow. point i'd see like all of them so all like the like manami toyota like ajw stuff and yeah everything i've not seen every single one because i don't think that necessarily everyone was available but pretty much yeah like so i just yeah watch everything like the one thing funnily enough that i never watched was the old british stuff until relatively recently okay the um what that word of wrestling stuff yeah, yeah, World of Sport. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that kind of that kind of stuff was was something that, until probably Regal's run in FCW, that was only when I started to become aware of it. What was it about FCW that captured your kind of wrestling imagination? Because it seems like you like it played a pretty big part in your wrestling fandom. Yeah, yeah it was. I just adored it at the time because it was. I, I think it was just because it was something just so like different. It probably is like a lot like what NXT 2.0 is now, which is funny because that's not a show that I watch. Again, not got anything against it. But back then it was, yeah, because there's all, all just these, there's like guys that I knew like Tyler Black and John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero, like all these great guys from the indies would turn up. But then you'd also have new characters come up that are really interesting like bray wyatt and i remember seeing like the genesis of that character and just like writing about him and going mad saying this guy's gonna be huge not because i'm some savant at wrestling it's just everyone that was watching it thought oh my god this is gonna be really special and that yeah. was much more when bray was more the kind of the the cape uh, stuff, yeah the cape fear stuff yeah it was more that but it was just yeah you just get to see all these talents that you knew and what was great about then it was it's like that kid that you've, let's say you watch like the Academy or whatever of like Bristol City and you see this 15 year old kid and then he gets his like start in the reserves. That's what FCW felt like. It was like all these amazing, like a bunch of these guys I'd seen on the indies, but then you see them literally in the, in the development piece. And then on top of that, all these new people that they, they need grew to love. I was obsessed with Richie Steamboat. 
I yeah, we've he spoken was. about this. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was, he was going to become a megastar if he, yeah, if he yeah. wasn't injured. Just I completely real. understand that, Brum, because I get a little bit of kind of like banter about how much I love NXT UK. And that kind of comes from the fact that I regrew my love of wrestling through the British wrestling scene of like 2014. And pretty much yeah, all those guys yeah. that were the reason for me loving wrestling to that extent again were those guys and like how you say it's it's almost like a Bristol City player at 15 and then they go on to join my like my United later in their career like I completely get it yeah yeah and I was just so invested in it and so I watched I think every episode of FCW and then when that became basically NXT every episode of NXT until relatively recently and again like people see me as like the anti-WWE guy of the group I watched every single Raw and Smackdown for probably 20 years from 98 to 2018 every episode of NXT until not long before the 2.0 shift like it's not like it's just something that was that has been with me throughout and it's only relatively recently where I've just found that I've just not enjoying it so rather than being and actually I think that was you know part of the principles of wrestling should be fun it's not that yeah every it's not like you should love everything in wrestling it's that it's part of like you try and see the good in everything in wrestling but then when if there is if you just can't find good personally what is the point in just being like hate watching stuff which is what i did for so long and it's it's just so it's not like hate watching is in itself is is bad because there's like the odd thing which you know you get a bit of schadenfreude from whatever but it's like just doing it perpetual is just so bad for your mental health and just yeah um, because it just turns you into such a negative person that i was just like yeah no, i think just... um Shaf made this point really well in the episode that you were on with him two weeks ago and yeah not, and like not only that but also by doing that you're also bringing down people's enjoyment or people who do enjoy it so yeah. like a twofold yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I and I actually felt that through Gil, I'd be like, um, I remember actually we we would talk about it, like said, oh, do you want to come on for the for the WrestleMania review show? Um, I really really enjoyed that episode, and I'm really glad I didn't come on because I had like a lot of negative stuff to say about it. And it's like if that's couched in something which is which has interest and is constructive or is something that I've not said before, but all it is is just repeating the criticisms of WWE. I've said historically, it's not adding anything apart from me just being like, oh, well, you liked it, but you guys don't understand proper wrestling like me. So you yeah, shouldn't. Yeah, then it becomes it. kind of shock, shock journalism, doesn't it? Right. Exactly. And I just hate that. So, and it's also, it's not that whatever people watching is worse than what I'm watching. In certain situations, you know, and I've I've said, and I've said before on the pod, what are the reasons why I can't watch WWE because of certain production issues? But that's also things that other people might like. It is literally just, it's something that I've grown. And it could be just because I've seen so much of it, to be honest. That might yeah. actually be the route. I might try and intellectualise it as much as I can by talking about production and writing and how and the, the nature of the wrestling. And I can say that until I'm blue to it. I was going to say until I'm blue in, blue in my teeth. That is definitely not a <laughs> phrase. But you can keep that in, Phil. I'll say it until I'm blue in my teeth. Um, but when it comes down to it, it might just be because I just watched two to three episodes a week for 20 years you know so yeah, yeah, i might have yeah. been like oh well i can't i need and a break well then all the newfangled stuff was stuff that interested me because it was different and that might be just what it boils down to yeah and there'll be something in the future that would bring you back because that's just the way that wrestling is yeah yeah
So we, it would be a mess to have you on, Brum, and not talk about your love of Japanese wrestling. I know that not many people will know this because it was inside the group, but you very much schooled us a few years ago with some amazing pieces of writing all about the history of All Japan Pro Wrestling, and I thoroughly urge you to try and get that stuff published because, mate, it's really, really, really good. And for someone who knew nothing about it, I feel like I've got a real solid base of knowledge now through it because of it, and it and the wrestling is amazing. So. I loved it, and I, I can see how you were so passionate about it. But what was it that, firstly, got you into it, and secondly, what makes you so passionate about it? Well, yeah, firstly, thanks, mate. I, I appreciate. I did. I remember like putting a bit of shift into this because I really just did, did enjoy selfishly writing about it because I loved it so much. But so initially, I watched all Japan just all over the place. But again, through the torrent, I'd just get these match packs where it'd have like I don't know, like all the Melts five-star matches, the best All Japan matches of 94, the best Champion Carnival matches, the best World Tag League matches, the best Masawa matches, the best whatever, like Four Pillars matches, all that stuff. And then Noah as well, obviously, and we never got to Noah or any of that period, but, you know, the early days of Noah were an extension of All Japan as well. And so I saw all these amazing matches and kind of fell in love a bit independently with the characters. I seen like a Kabashi in ROH probably made that even more so, but it was when like you watch the matches for a couple of times and then actually probably when then Googling about it and hearing people's thoughts on a match and finding a bit more information about it and not in a way of like following a particular, there was never any particular blog or anything I felt. You just say, oh, I really like that match. But it was all, obviously it was all just fully in Japanese commentary and you'd pick up bits, yeah. not, not of the Japanese, but you'd just <laughs> through the matches and the interactions between wrestlers, you'd get bits and then you'd start piecing stuff together. It was only then when I started to to try and watch it a little bit more chronologically to put things together and then read about stuff. Because actually, as well, back in that time, I used to, before like the AV Club got bought out, I used to really love following the AV, AV Club like website for like music and TV and other stuff. But I used to really like watching a TV show and then going and seeing what a journalist I really liked on AV Club would say about that TV show. And yeah. I would start doing that with wrestling and, and yeah, and just with the old Japan stuff, and then just being like, oh, actually, yeah, this is this is not just absolutely incredible wrestling, but it's a beautiful story. And actually, I think what I love most about old Japan is these incredible stories that they tell are purely done from bell to bell. You don't need a guy on a mic doing the they took his dog, you know, that you don't <laughs> need that stuff because you've just got wrestling as an art form and i know wrestling is art you know we, we all do agree that but that is it i think the most distilled version of it and i love aw at the moment it brought me back into wrestling i love the new japan run up until a, a couple of years probably a year before the pandemic you know i loved the mid noughties roh run i love the early nxt run there's so much wrestling that i adored but none of it i don't think for me was had that pure artistic side that all japan did because it relied on too many other art forms you know one of the reasons jump actually i'll just go on a brief tangent i did sociology at uni and one thing that attracted to me to it was it was like a bastardization of loads of other different subjects it took psychology and history and economics and politics and geography and just mashed it all together into something some people probably say a little bit <laughs> a little bit more dulled down but <laughs> 
with wrestling, it's fine. It's, you know, it's got, you know, music. We all talk about, you know, amazing entrance themes or video packages. You know, it is an action movie in terms of what it is in the ring, but it's got like, it takes TV from like episodic storytelling. It also uses ballet in terms of it being like a physical live experience as well as obviously theater and bits of stand-up comedy in terms of the way that the the characters interact with the audience it just picks from all these different art forms but it's still fundamentally wrestling what is so interesting about all japan is it actually it distills it a lot more into just purely the art of wrestling i'm not saying it doesn't do any of that other stuff but it relies on it so much less and it's just this art form of two what guys or four guys or six guys in a ring using their bodies through simulated combat to tell these long form and interesting stories and it's in a completely different language that i don't understand and yet they sold that to me and that's just gorgeous and beautiful and i think that's why for me that period of of all Japan and, and maybe up to early Noah as well. I'm, I'm not going to bother drawing lines in it, but it's that, that roughly 10, 11 year stretch. And I just adore it for that reason. And that doesn't, again, like I said, doesn't knock any of the other wrestling I love, but it is just the most artistic expression of wrestling that I've ever come across. And I think ever will do. I don't think anything will ever match it for that reason. For people that aren't aware of it, what are the years of the like peak or Japan that people should be seeking out? I think if you start roughly around the time of the the emergence of the Triple Crown title and Jumbo Saruta kind of being the boss. So I, th- I think if you're probably going somewhere around 89, 90, you're in a good place to start. Yeah. But in terms of what, when people now talk about the All Japan style and the King's Road style and, and everything like that, they're really talking about the four pillars. So that if you, if you want to kind of miss the early piece, you could probably jump into about 92, 93 and get running with it. But there you are but, listeners. And as someone who knew little about it, I concur with Roman that it's absolutely epic and any wrestling fan would enjoy watching them. So yeah, thoroughly recommended. And as well on that, a lot of people talk about New Japan being this like strong style. It's not, if you like new, if you will, if you like New Japan, especially like the golden years of, of New Japan from about five years ago or whatever, essentially what they're what they're doing is the King's Road style of all Japan. It's not what they say it is. Like I think strong style means something else. And now that has actually been and it's fine. That's been used as a bit more of a bastardized term, and I'm not against it. But really, what they're doing is the is the King's Road style of all Japan. So if you're a fan of the peak New Japan, you'll you'll adore all Japan as well. So we've spoken about your love of Japanese wrestling and the fact that you never really had a group of friends in pro wrestling. And then along comes Don Van Dam and he introduces you to the Wrestling Should Be Fun crew. So what was that like for you? Yes, again, just another one of these moments that kind of reinvented my fandom of wrestling, really. Yeah, because again, through it, I had like my mate Dink at school, I'd drag on to stuff. At uni, there was a lad called Bryn who... He was a year below me and he turned up for like the trials for my team in an Eddie Guerrero t-shirt. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So (laughs) like we immediately stuck up a a friendship and went to a bunch of shows and stuff. My mate Mule, who was 
more a guy at uni that I dragged along, but again, got into it. And then later, I, I literally don't know how we, we worked out we were wrestling fans, but a lad that I met through work, Raj, who who I went to progress shows with initially. And okay. then randomly, my uh, a good mate, good mate of mine, Hall, turns up to um, a uh, a do with a boyfriend who first wins because we start talking about cricket loads. But then it turns out he's also a massive wrestling fan. Realizes he goes to progress too. Bumped into him kind of semi informally at a couple of shows, and then after it, it, I just started started dragging me on as as part of the crew, and it was just unbelievable because it's like a group of people who not only like wrestling, but also have like a broad knowledge of wrestling. So before my mates, I could talk to about either maybe WWE or TNA or whatever that particular person right, was yeah. into. But I never had someone that like people that could just like, I could make a, within five minutes, I could make reference to ROH, ECW, LWF or Smoky Mountain or whatever. And people, <laughs> right. it was just something I'd just never experienced before. So even if from like that kind of thing, it was just like, wow, this is amazing. And probably in the early days, like you guys thought I talked a lot, maybe because A, I, I mean, I do talk a lot, but B, <laughs> I was just so excited to just be able to like talk about wrestling to people in this, in such a, like a kind of a holistic way. But more importantly, like the other two pieces, one, the actual, the atmosphere of being in those crowds with a group of mates is now I realize it's just, that's how wrestling should be watched. Like I'm <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. who watched wrestling as a solitary pursuit for all my life and, I won't stop doing that, but I could go back and watch, you know, my three favorite all Japan matches back together or my favorite Nigel McGuinness match, or if I want nostalgia going back and watching WrestleMania nine and none of it will be as good as just going to like an average progress show like with you guys. Cause it's like, it's the whole day experience. It's like having a few beers talking about non-wrestling shit. Cause even me as if I'm not the most newbie in the group, I'm definitely up there to yeah talk about what people's going on with people's lives and then also then talking about wrestling and then going and watching an incredibly fun show being half cut chatting shit chanting shit it's just amazing and i'm actually i'm bringing along one of the lads from my nct crew for the next show and i'm just really excited about him being able to watch him be a part of that for the first time yeah i bet is he someone that um has been to live shows previously I don't think he has. I think he's a, he's a proper casual, though. He did message me the um, earlier this week saying that he's found a new show that I'd really like called AEW. Oh, so, it's that good. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to break it to him that, yeah, <laughs> I go on a podcast once a week and jizz over it. You want to play me hard? Crazy. Well, then you better nut up. Phrasing. Because I've swallowed just about as much as I can take from you. Hey, phrasing. I have to say, Bram, that um, you are definitely the most passionate at the wrestling. There's been many a time <laughs> where I've been like, who's who's screaming? And I'm like, I'm going to turn around. It's, oh, it's Bram. <laughs> I like, I have just got to get stop getting so booze there. Like, I am just a monster. <laughs> I wake up the next morning and I have a memory. I'm like, I can't believe I chanted that. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm so embarrassed the next day. And then I remember, like, I'll just remember, like, before the next show, I was like, don't overdo it because you don't want to be like you did the last show. We're at the Dome. I was having, like, Cokes. And I'm still chanting like an absolute nutcase. So <laughs> I just I, I just think wrestling brings out a terrible person in me. So, But, yeah, you lads haven't kicked me out yet, so I'm hoping you'll, uh, you'll be a bit more patient with me. No, mate, I absolutely love it. 
I know like the first time that my mates saw me at the wrestling, they all went as like kind of, oh, let's have a little laugh at a live wrestling show and like take the piss out of it. And like they told my girlfriend who was also at the show, like that's the happiest I've ever seen Ross. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that probably was the case. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, that's pretty much the story of Brum. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, not really. Like, like not, not anything that I think adds anything. You know, I was probably for a future show, depending what happens with 1PW, I could regale all my experiences of going to 1PW when it was the biggest Brit rest promotion back in the early days of, of Yorkshire wrestling and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think we can leave that for another time. I think biographically, it probably wraps up my experience. Amazing, man. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in wrestling. It should be fun. You've made the group a far better place than it was previously and yeah hoping to have many more fun live shows with uh, screaming brum by my side <laughs> yeah I, could, I can guarantee that mate don't worry <laughs> was there anything that you wanted to plug actually brum apart from I mean, this this is the only <laughs> thing i'm engaged in yeah the, i mean it, please listen to more wrestling should be fun or less do whatever you fancy you, you're, is, you're your own person is your um fcw stuff still online no, I think they probably realised how shit it was and have taken oh, it down no. <laughs> relatively recently. Because funnily enough, I, I googled it today to try and work out our timings when you mentioned that, that you'd have had me on. And um, the one thing that I found, which I think I've mentioned to you guys before, is um, I'm referenced on Aiden English's Wikipedia page. That's amazing. Reviewing one of his matches, but if you click on the link, it doesn't actually go through because they're all dead. But no, and actually, to be fair, if it was up, I wouldn't want people to um, look at it anyway because it was just literally then just like me aggressively play-by-playing these FCW matches and then he did a hammerlock and then he did a snapmare and then he kicked him wow good kick that's <laughs> <laughs> basically it so no one's going to be getting a lot from going back and reading my old yeah old matches of Leo Kruger versus Richie Steamboat which was five minute long and is yet yeah, 4,000 words somehow so well they can't be as good as our write-ups for um wrestling society x right no, no, doesn't, doesn't even get close, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Wrestling Should Be Fun, episode 52, with our man Brum. I'm sure that you'll um, be of the same opinion that he is one of the most knowledgeable wrestling people that I know, and probably now you know. And uh, yeah, he will be on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast when he has stuff that's positive to say about the next week in wrestling. Uh, so catch that soon. Don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify, and give us a, a five-star review if you wish. And don't forget to drink lots of water and look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.